How do you prepare for a trip? No, this episode is not about travel, although it's a great topic for a future episode. There are certain things we research and plan for before we hit the open road or head to our nearest train station, airport, or cruise terminal. There are certain things we need to know before we go, and our work environments are no different. Welcome to Tip That Scale. In this episode, we are talking about, you guessed it, what you should know before you go. Know before you go. We live in a capitalistic environment, a free Mm -hmm. market. Is it really free? But no, go ahead. Think about it this way. In the basis of Hinduism, there's one there's one strong belief. Do whatever you want to do as long as it doesn't cause harm to another person. Now, when you're inherently lying about any kind of situation that is directly going to impact another person's life, that's a grave sin in our book. When these corporations or these executives are lying about the basis of why they're doing it, and then they're going to cause mental stress, they're going to cause people to dislike the jobs that they're working when they potentially could have loved it beforehand. That's a big problem. Some corporations want to bring their people back in because they count on high turnover. Like places like, for instance, it's more cost effective for them to have high levels of turnover than it is to keep an employee for a long period of time. And so they count on that. They count on people leaving. They cause burnout. There's a lot of places like that. That dream of sticking around with the same company for 30 years is dead because companies have started realizing that it's more cost effective for them to have high churn rate than it is to just keep somebody for a long period of time and have them retrain them. But employees know this as well. Of course. A lot of people who have been with certain companies for, let's just say, 10 years, and then they have a counterpart who's left a job maybe every two to three to four years. That person Mm -hmm. who's left, And if they're making the wisest choice, they are increasing their salary with every move by a percentage versus a person who probably has stayed in that position or that company for 10 years. It's very different. We're forced to, though. In order for us to keep up with the rate of inflation, in order for us to keep up with the cost of living, and in order for us to have a livable wage, we're forced to go to the next place that's willing to pay us more. Now, what's wrong with that? Exactly. Nothing's wrong a- with it. And but I don't think it's I don't think it's just the rate of inflation though. We can talk about the rate of inflation, but we can also talk about and I'm all for people securing the bag. Get yeah. get your money. However, we talked about this before we actually started recording how people want to make more so then they were buying houses and now we're seeing that turn. But the thing about it is there's a rate of inflation, but there's also what do you need to live on? What do you need? I like my salary rate. And yes, it should go up because of the experience that I have. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. However, there are things that I don't need. I don't necessarily need a new car every two years. That's why I don't lease. I don't necessarily need, and this is this is difficult for me because at one time I felt like I did, but the new pair of shoes and the new bag. At one time I was buying a new bag. I felt, well, whenever, whenever the spirit hit me, but you get to a point where you recognize you, you don't necessarily need that. Do we need all the things? And most of the time we don't. Over the last better part of the last six years, when you think about it, look at the cost of food. There's an ongoing joke with some people that go through interviews that talk about, well, I just want to be able to afford a can of, I mean, a carton of eggs and not think about it. 
there was an organization that I had a pre-screen with the other day. When they saw my resume, they said the longest that you've been with any organization was about four years. And they go, well, the last role you worked at was for a year. I was like, well, that wasn't because of me. I was like, I've never stayed or I mean, left an organization less than two years. And they go, well, we're looking for somebody that's willing to stay here and be lifelong. And I was like, well, okay, great. Are you willing to pay me for something like that? And then the other question is, is what exactly is the average tenure of a person at your organization? Oh, well, that's what we're trying to bring up. What? Let's talk about that. <laughs> because all my red flags are just pinging because this that's is, that's yeah. ridiculous. Well, that's part of the know before you go, right? Do your research. It's absolutely know before you go. I've stayed with a lot of companies, even early in my career. I knew why I was leaving. I was leaving to gain more responsibility. It wasn't, especially when I was as young as I was, it wasn't necessarily about the money. It was about responsibility. And I think there's such a belief that everybody does what they do for the money alone. It's the inherent reason of why someone does something. But when we're talking about looking for someone that's going to be lifelong, okay, are you willing to make the promise? You know, are you willing to? No, it has nothing. Honestly, it has nothing to do with the increase. Are you willing to make the promise? If I'm going to stay here, say five years minimum, are you willing to make the promise that I'm going to be guaranteed employment for five years and guaranteed salary for five years and the benefits for five years. You want a promise from me, but what are you willing to promise? And I think when we're talking about this, where we are in, and I would say not just where we are, but how people look for jobs, Are you willing to make the promise? One side is making the promise, but we need to start asking those questions. Are you willing to make the same promise? If you started looking at compensation from a standpoint of the bartering system, because that's what it is, the agreement is no longer conducive to where both parties are benefiting. Why would one or either party want to stick around? Let's just say, for instance, you think about back in the old, old days when you took a chicken and then you traded it in for some milk or whatever, eggs for milk. Now, milk, a gallon of milk, a liter of milk, is the trade value is six eggs. Now the guy that has the six eggs, he's saying, no, I'm only going to give you four eggs for the same liter of milk. But then this guy with a liter of milk can go over here and get eight eggs for the same thing. Why would he stick around and work with you? This point of barter. When you're being paid to do work, look at it from a contractual terms, because that's what it is. Your employment is an employee's contract. It's a contract saying that you're going to do this much work for this much pay. What started happening is that organizations are saying, okay, well, we know that your employee agreement said that you're going to do this, this, and this, but now we want you to do this too. And you're going to pay me the same thing. When employees started saying, no, that's not what I was signed on or hired to do. Companies gave it a term called it quiet quitting, which again, in itself is bullshit. If you're going to ask someone to do more, pay more. Don't try to take those profits by taking advantage of a situation. That's when the term quiet quitting came into place. It wasn't because people are just being lazy, sitting around going, I'm not going to do this and I hate my job, so I'm going to quietly look for something else. That's No, that's not what quiet quitting is. Quiet quitting, what people are essentially saying is, I was hired to do this. Why are you asking me to take on this without actually paying me more for it? 
Same thing goes back with the guy with the milk saying, okay, well, I agreed to give you a, a liter of milk for six eggs, but now I want six eggs and I want your chicken for the same liter of milk. When we're thinking about quiet quitting, I'll say this again, and I just posted an article about this. It's been around for a long time. It didn't have a, a term. And y'all, everything doesn't need a term because now what's happened is when it was brought to the forefront, now people know about it. Even though a lot of managers knew it was happening now, oh my gosh, quiet quitting. Come on. Y'all know it's been happening for the longest. Quit acting like this is new. Stop being shocked. And oh my gosh, quiet quitting. Have a number of seats, please. We can talk about it in the term of what's happening in the time frame that is mm -hmm. given the, the term. So the idea of people doing more or the request for people to, to do more, but they want to do the minimum. I was talking to someone about a, a former company, the idea of doing above and beyond. I used to like getting exceeds expectations on employee reviews. But then one thing that shook me up was I was told by my manager that her manager did believe in exceeds expectations. I'm sorry. You don't believe in, oh, well, if you're doing it, then you're meeting your expectations. Well, how do you, how do you exceed expectations? Because typically, of course, exceeds expectations on reviews can in, can equate to an increase, a higher bonus, all of the above, or other benefits. So I said, well, well, wait a minute, what's exceeds? Well, if you're doing, that's just your your job. But if I'm damn good at it, and this is for anybody, this is not just for me. But if I'm damn good at it, I'm not just meeting the expectation; I'm exceeding it. So how do you benchmark what's me and what's exceeds? And sometimes people want to say it's meeting because that's what they do. Yeah. And so when we're talking about quiet quitting, I think about that on the term of meet expectations. Now, what happens is they could have just called it meets expectations. I don't know why they said quiet quitting, but if you're doing your job, you're not quiet quitting. You're doing your job. You're meeting the expectation. Quiet quitting to me is when you slowly start packing up and then slowly those things start going home. To me, that's quiet quitting, but different strokes for different folks. I've done something like that, but I didn't do it over a course of months. I did it that day. <laughs> <laughs> There's this term, kind of like what you said, meeting the bare expectations in the world of staffing. If you're doing that, you're not doing enough. Let's talk about your year-end review and when they start setting goals for you, right? Mm -hmm. Your goal is going to go based on what you did, what you brought in. See, when I was in the, the staffing world or that recruiting agency space, going in above and beyond was good for you in, from, in the form of monetary gains. But at the same time, it was always about what have you done for me lately? But I just say, I made a lot more money on the agency side before I switched over to corporate. When I had a conversation with our former boss, she asked me, like, what, what are you looking to make? And I said, look, if I tell you what I made over the last four years of me working on the agency side, I may or may not get this role. So let's talk about what you're offering and then we can negotiate based on that. Because I do have a number in my mind that I'm not willing to go below, but I do know that I'll have to make a sacrifice to get the lifestyle that I want. 
kind of like what you said before. People don't necessarily make switches because of money, because there's something that they're looking for. Sometimes when you go above and beyond, you actually do put a target on your back. From the people above you, the people, your counterparts, you want your entire group to be successful just as you're being successful. Again, meeting expectations. Great. But why are you doing what you're doing? Number one. And if you're meeting just the bare expectations, do it the best damn way you possibly can. Free up some time for yourself. When I think about meet expectations, I do find it quite interesting because most often the expectations aren't communicated. And then the next thing is the expectations are a little to what you were saying. They're based on someone else. So how are these expectations decided? And I've seen this. We have to understand that people come to the table with different levels of experience, mm -hmm. point blank. So a person's expectation, whether of themselves or a direct report, if that's your frame of reference, if your only frame of reference is yourself or someone else, and that's meet expectations, you can't really expect, or you, you should, you should reconsider how you lay out your expectations of someone else, because we all know that our experience is, is different. And so that could easily be a portion of comparison. Number one, if you are creating a competition within your team, whatever your team is, then that's a problem. Because oh, ultimately that competition is not good for the organization in the long run. You think well, that, oh, we're going to get, we're going to get output. The funny thing is, it's not a team, but some people are thinking that it's a team because competition is healthy. So there's yeah, that belief that, comp that competition is healthy. But the thing about it is if you're creating an environment where it's based on comparison or competition that leads to comparison, you are inevitably going to create dissent among your team because well, there's a, there's always going to be someone that feels less than and a good leader knows how to see the strengths in everybody on the team and work with those strengths instead of trying to put everybody on the same level on the same playing field no one is on the same playing field we're all different competition is healthy but in order for you to have competition you need to have an opponent you can't have an opponent on your team. Those two things don't go together. So go back. Why is competition healthy? It depends, right? So let's just say, for instance, competition is healthy because it does bring out, how do I put this? It shows people that they're able to do things that they thought that they couldn't do. It's kind of like when you go to the gym and you, you're, you're competing with yourself. All right, I'm going to get one extra set. I'm going to do an extra five pounds on this set. I'm going to do this. That's competing within yourself. Competing with an opponent. When you're competing with, let's just say, a separate business that is your competition in regards to gaining market share. Now, when you're working as a collective with a common goal, that's not where competition needs to come into play. Because you hired those people to be on your team to all achieve that common goal. The team is supposed to get to that end point. You have people that have more experience that are able to work alongside people with less experience and not fear that their jobs are going to be in jeopardy because they didn't hit a number or they didn't do this. Because the overall organization is going to get to that number. And at the same time, the people with less experience are going to get the experience 
that they're essentially looking for. But you can't have an opponent on your team because that creates a cancerous environment. When we're saying competition is healthy, what type of competition? There's a level of comparison that's there. You said you can compete against yourself, which is true. But sometimes one side is competing and it's unhealthy and the other side is just existing. That's what they do. Again, if we're looking at meets expectations in an organization and who decides what those expectations are, and when someone comes in to meet them, if you say, oh, well, you're, you're not meeting expectations. First of all, we need to quantify what those expectations are, because if you add, if you add a level of numbers like sales, this is your quota. That's one thing. That's not necessarily a competition of, against anybody else on the team. That's you meeting a quota. But mm-hmm. if we're talking about meets expectations based on you're not doing the job the same way, and this has happened to me before, you aren't doing the same thing that this person is doing. I know I'm not because I'm not that person. I'm not that person. And we always have to think about the number of variables that are part of who we are and why we exist. I'm going to do something different than someone who may be from New York. We haven't even talked about personality differences, but there's so much, so much that goes into who we are and why we are the way we are. And going back to companies saying, we want you to be here for a certain length of time. My question is why, what do you feel is going to be gained from that? Or better yet, what are you afraid of that this becomes a bigger sticking point than than the hiring process? You never know. I can come in and be a contributing factor within a six-month time frame that exceeds expectations. And I can do something in six months that you are looking over time would take two years to do. When we say no before you go, We need to start asking a lot of the harder questions instead of what's surface. Whether it's the price of eggs, there's a lot of reasons why eggs have gone up, not just for Mm -hmm. inflation. There's not just one answer. Oh, inflation. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, what about greed? Let's look at the whole supply chain system. Where is the greed happening? Well, bird flu, now that that's done, why aren't the price of eggs lower? Same thing with gas. We can look at things for so many different reasons, but we need to start digging deep and asking some hard questions of some people that we probably never asked before. You said it before, when you're being compared to the way somebody's doing something, but just because the manager or whoever it is likes the way they're doing it, objectively understand why you're hiring that person. It's to Mm -hmm. complete an objective, not a task, an objective. When you're hiring a person because of their capabilities and the skills and the things that they've done and the things that they know, they didn't learn that from you and they didn't learn that from the organization that they're coming into, but they're still very good at reaching the objective. If you're going to say that you're not doing it like Sally or Joe, essentially what you're saying is, is you want a bunch of people that work that, okay, well then hire from within. Very sure. And that's a whole nother situation because a lot of companies don't hire from within. They don't promote. That environment is what created the capabilities of the person that you like that's there. 
And let's just say that person came from a different organization. We'll go find all your people from that organization. If you're trying to hire for a person for their capabilities, if you're trying to bring on a person because they're very good at what they do, or they say they're very good at what they do, allow them to do it the way that they know best. And I'm not saying an individual can't pick up the way that they do things, but what works for one person is not going to work for another person. There's a whole slew of weird issues there going right now. And like in the, the labor market, the hiring market, the job market, like it's just a whole lot of different things that a lot of people have started calling tightening the reins on hiring. The reins have been tightened for a little while now, either one side or the other. The reins have always been tight. It's either from the employee standpoint where they're looking at a company, they're going to be like, well, why should I come there? Or it comes from the company going, well, why should I hire you? Because there's 30 of you now. No, there's 30 people with a similar skill set, but not all 30 people are doing it the same way I can or at the level that I can. What are you looking for? And like you said, organizations need to start asking themselves, what exactly are our expectations in regards for this role? What are your expectations for this role? What is your vision for not only right now, but for the next five years? And what do you expect me to accomplish within the next six months, the next year, the next two years? Those questions gives me a very good understanding of where the organization is trying to go. Or is it, you know, sorry to all the companies out there that potentially hire like this, but is it just a pipe dream? I would say a lot of what we've been seeing is very indicative of what we started out this conversation talking about. Mm -hmm. People just doing what they can to get what they can. People can often talk about, oh, well, we have a plan, but do you? What's the plan? When we talk about know before you go, one of the things that I've been sharing with clients is, as we're talking about looking at plans. If you're looking for a job and you're looking at companies, look at their annual report, read their annual report. And people are saying, well, what am I looking for? You're looking for any red flags. What doesn't resonate with you? If you want to see more diversity, do you see diversity? If you see a diversity statement and diversity is important to you, ask how they're living up to that diversity statement. If they hem and haw, oh, red flag. What is the plan for the next five years? Plan for growth, for hiring, plan, plan for increases. If there is another downward turn, how will you approach this? And what did you do the last time? We need to ask those questions. Besides the annual report and reading what's in there and looking for red flags, read their last press releases. And don't just go to Glassdoor. Do a search on LinkedIn for people that have worked there within, I would say, the last three to six months. Mm -hmm. What did they say? Search and read their posts. You can gain a lot, especially if they were in the same department that you're looking to go into. This is something to think about, especially people who want to move up and they haven't moved up. A lot of times you have not been selected to move up, not because you're not good. You probably are doing above and beyond. The challenge is you're not being moved up because they like you where you are. They prefer you where you are. When we're talking about from a promotion standpoint, from succession planning within a company, if you want to move up, what's the plan? And that should be part of the conversation. You may not want it part of the conversation on the initial interview, but it should be a part of the conversation within six months, especially if you are killing the game. 
you're meeting and exceeding ex your expectations. Forget the expectations of anybody else, but your expectations. And you know people see that. What's the six-month review? The company doesn't have to do a six-month review. You do a six-month review of the company. Do a review of the company. Are you happy? Are they meeting your expectations? Going back to what you were saying, with the company saying, we want someone who's going to stick around. We want someone who's going to be here for a little while. Okay, well, what are you doing to ensure that people stick around? What's your plan? How do you give to employees to make sure that they're in a work environment that builds around sticking around? There's a lot of things that are in our toolkits that we can come to the table with I think we just don't do it and we don't do it because we're afraid. And I'm, I'm saying we as a collective, not everyone is afraid, but afraid to have those conversations because we're so concerned about how it will make us look. No, have the conversations regardless, because if they have a problem with you asking the questions, that's a bigger problem. And listen for the answer. If you hear an answer that sounds like, one, the person above you feels like you're chasing after their job. There's a problem. Two, if you hear an answer that says, you're doing such a great job here, why would you want to go up? That's one of the reasons why I left the previous role. Not the one that we just were at, but the one before that. Mm -hmm. Not because it was a bad company or the people were bad. There was just no room for growth. And it, it leaves me with one of two options. Either go find something else or challenge myself and go to the next piece. Say, can I do this? Some people chase titles, they chase titles, they chase money. Mm -hmm. They aren't necessarily chasing responsibility. And what's the plan? It's not an interesting concept, but it's another thing that we don't talk about very often. And so often people think that it's a ladder, it's a mountain, we're just going to continue to move up, or we're supposed to continue to move up with titles and money. The plan is not the same for everyone. Some people want to know a lot of things about a lot of different areas and a lot of different departments. They want to be in sales. They want to go to marketing. Then they want to parlay that into operations. That's a different trajectory. We need to get to a place, we collectively need to get to a place where we are asking the questions. What is the plan? Leaders will sit down with people and find out what it is you want to do mm -hmm. and your why, why is this important to you? Sometimes there is no why. It's just an inherent, this is just what I want to do. Maybe my daddy did it or whatever. But we need to understand that. And as leaders, it's our role and our position and our duty to help people attain that. Managers, on the other hand, tend to want people to stay in that position. They want people to stay where they are because it works for them and their day-to-day. Leaders know how to help people up. Managers are more focused on the task. And if the task is done and someone is good at doing the task, they want the person to stay there with the task. A leader sees not just opportunity, they see capabilities and they see that someone can attain and do more. We've been talking about a lot of things to know before you go. Before you step out into anything, whether you're in a position and looking at your next or trying to balance quiet quitting meets expectations versus exceeds expectations, 
or mm-hmm. if you're ready to change jobs or if you have been laid off and you're looking for a new job before you do anything make sure you know you yep. make sure you do an assessment of you what's important to you is it money then go for the bag but also know you may have some challenges along the journey and also you may come up against some people who are also looking for the bag Know who you are, know your strengths, weaknesses, or what I like to call challenges. Champion your strengths. Talk about them. That's your superpower. Put on your cape and go. If you are a square pig, don't try to go into that round hole because you will not fit. You can get a hammer, but it's just not going to work. So why even do that to yourself? The piece of advice that I'd like to give to all the leaders, managers, anybody in a position of any kind of leadership role or even hell, employees, stop chasing perfection, take chances, take the risks and try to get an outcome. Because if you try to make something perfect, you're going to drive yourself crazy and you're not going to get anywhere. There is no sense of perfect. You can give people the opportunity to show what they're able to do, utilize them for what they were hired to do. There's so many people that get caught up in the sense of it has to be done this way or it has to be done this quickly. Yeah, but that's when you're going to run into a whole lot of other problems that then you got to get in front of and then you're just going to drive yourself even more crazy. Take chances. Who is the arbitrary person that said it has to be that way? Why can't we start making some different rules or different approaches? Just because it was done that way, did it work? And if it worked, is it still working? Things change. The other point that you said about perfection, if you are someone who is so focused on perfection, my Mm -hmm. question is who determined that is what perfect is? Most people learn by doing. If you practice something for 30 minutes a day for a month, you're already going to be far more of an expert than 95% of the people that are out there. And I don't mean reading about it. I mean, actually go practice it. In today's environment, you're probably going to know more than 90, 95% of the people out there. If a a leader has that mindset, knowing that their team members may not know how to do something, give them the opportunity to learn from that, make mistakes, continue moving forward. Sometimes you may not have the opportunity to do that. I get it. And then, then at that point, you need to go to the people that have experience that are on your team. My suggestion is instead of perfection, because again, it doesn't exist, focus on your passion. What are you passionate about? This episode was more than what you should know before heading into a job interview or even applying to a company. We address some major considerations for those of you currently in a position, working for a company and considering your next. If we can leave you with anything, It's to do your research. And here's something we know. (laughs) Yeah, you guessed it. We know you should like, follow, and subscribe to Tip That Scale. Well, if you haven't done so already. And be sure to follow and engage with us on Instagram and Twitter.